The apostle writing to the church at Philippi shares with them what he has learned. He said, I've learned whatever state I am to be content. Contentment is learned. We want God to zap us with all this stuff, and he doesn't because he desires that we learn it. The Lord even has instructed us. He said, learn of me. We will find him in the word of God. Amen. It is worth our time and effort to become students, disciples in the school of Christ, to get in the word of God, find out what it says. We need to know who God is. We need to know what he wants. We need to know what he likes. And, beloved, we need to know what he don't like. Amen. Paul says, I have learned whatever state I am to be content. The world tries to sell contentment in every conceivable format to no avail. But we as Christians can learn to be content. He said, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. I've learned how to deal with these different circumstances in life. I've learned how to do it. And then the 13th verse, the one we all like, the one that, you know, like I said, I've seen it, you know, folks on uh, sweatshirts and T-shirts and stuff. Philippians 4 and 13. When Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But what we fail to appreciate is Paul's circumstance when he writes this to the church at Philippi. He's not sitting in a parsonage. He's not in an Airstream trailer running around uh, as, as an evangelist. He is not in a university. He's not in his own home. When Paul writes this and says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he's in jail. Now, I don't know about you. I ain't got, there ain't nothing about going to jail appeals to me. Amen. We got some fellows in this church that can take you to jail legally. Amen. Paul's in jail. I saw a real good, it was on PBS, and it was a, a real good documentary on the life of the Apostle Paul. And they showed the very place where Paul was imprisoned when he writes this letter to the church at Philippi. Take notice of his circumstance. He's in jail. He's in a cell. Not only that, he is chained to some stinking Roman guard. It's not the kind of situation that any of us would aspire to, but that all of us would have just rather avoid. But in spite of his circumstance, he makes this great declaration. After he tells them everything he's learned, he says, I can do all things, not in my own strength, but through Christ who strengthens me. Now he's talking about grace, the unmerited favor of God, the grace that saves us, the grace that instructs us in how we ought to live, and here the grace that enables us to supersede human limitations. When people say, I've gone as far as I can go, that's a good place to be. Because you've gone as far as you can go, you have given up on any confidence you have in yourself. And that's the time when you turn to the Lord. And when you turn to him, you're glad that you did. Praise God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me even in jail. Even in the close to worst of circumstances. The book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse number 9. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ 
was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, just like today. And I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Now here is the Apostle John. He has not gone to the island of Patmos for vacation. This ain't Daytona Beach. How many of y'all ever been to Daytona Beach? How many of y'all want to go back? It's on my bucket list. I went when I was a kid. I ain't been since I was 14. He ain't Daytona Beach. He ain't Panama Beach. He's not in the Great Smoky Mountains. He is on this awful island called Patmos. He has been exiled there because he's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's get one thing settled up front, okay? You live for God, it's going to cost you something. Everyone who serves the Lord is going to suffer persecution. It's going to come to you in one form or another. There are going to be negatives that you're going to have to deal with. I shared this with you uh, last week. There are going to be times when life itself is just going to reach up and slap you on both sides of the face and put you in a position that you don't want to occupy, in a place you don't want to be, and you can't wait to get out of. Anybody ever been there? I have. So here's John. He's on the Isle of Patmos. These are not luxury accommodations. It's sparse. He's there for punishment. But while he's there, take notice, he hears the voice of the Lord and is given the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. If you had informed him and said, look, John, they're going to send you to Patmos, but while you're there, you're going to be caught up in the Spirit on a Sunday, on the Lord's Day, and you're going to hear the voice of God, and you're going to have things revealed to you that are just about knock you cross eyed to the place that you fall down at the foot of an angel to worship. He has to jerk you back up. Says, Get up, don't worship me. Amen. In spite of these, these negative circumstances, look at the blessing that the Lord bestows upon him. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ, even in jail. John on the island of Patmos, praise God, there to be imprisoned. They're in a very uncomfortable, untenable situation. And yet while he is there, the Spirit of God moves on him, gives him the last book in the book. And that book that we read, that we rejoice in. Some folks scared of the book. I don't want to ask for a show of hands. If you're scared of the book of Revelation, don't be scared of the book of Revelation. Rejoice. Get your hide saved, your name written in the Lamb's book of life. You read the book of Revelation, throw your hands up and say, praise God. Amen. I mean, it talks about all the stuff's going to happen on earth, but if you're a child of God, guess what? You're going to be with him. Amen. Brother Andy, are you a pre-trib resurrection rapture preacher? To the bone. There ain't a bone in me that ain't. Amen. I, why? Because the Lord says, at a time when you think not, I'm coming. And while everybody's attention is somewhere else, the resurrection is going to take place and the living church is going to be caught up in there and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's a lot to rejoice about. Who sung that song this morning looking for a city? 
<laughs> Praise God. What city? The city that was revealed to John on the Isle of Patmos. How many of y'all remember that old song we saw? I think it was in one of the convention books years ago. Circumstances can't control my feelings because Jesus' blood has washed away my sin. Y'all remember that? That's a great song. Praise God. Here are two points I want to share with you and drive home. Christians are not at the mercy of circumstances. We're not. Christians overcome in spite of the circumstances. <laughs> <I'm a laughs> Help us, Jesus. I'm going to do this and I'll get up here and finish this message. You know what sets the Pentecostal church apart that I'm so thankful of? Praise God, we believe in the victory. Bring your hide to the house of God. Drag your trouble in here. Whatever it may be, your condition does not intimidate us. You bring it on in here. If you bring it a little further down to the altar, you'll meet a man named Jesus Christ who is able to touch you and give you the victory. Praise God. Amen. We aren't helpless. We aren't hopeless. We aren't prisoners of our circumstances. We overcome our circumstances through Christ Jesus the Lord who strengthens us and gives us the victory. Paul said at the end of his life, I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. The word of God declares to us, and this is the victory over the world, even our faith. Somebody walked around here with a bunch of mustard seeds this morning talking about faith. How much, Brother Andy, that much is enough? That much is enough. Praise God. You've been faithful in a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. He didn't say he's going to be faithful in everything. He's going to be faithful in a few things. But praise God when we are faithful in those few things what we have to look forward to. I know this world is full of, of and every, every family in this church got trouble. I could go right down the pews. Start with mine. Start me first and go down the pews. Every family in this church got trouble. There's somebody in every family in this church is about to drive you nuts. And if you thought it'd do any good, you'd jerk them up by the neck and slap them on both sides of the head at once. I have a real dear friend of mine, and I remember that was always his cure for everything. What do you do? Just knock far out of him. <laughs> Troy, you can't just knock far out of him. Yeah, knock far out of him. Just jerk him up, pow. And, you, and if you thought it would do any good, you would. Amen. Or you're facing some kind of condition or issue or whatever, maybe a, a health deal. I, you know, I don't whine about my health again. But what I, I am here to tell you this morning is that regardless of the circumstance you find yourself in, there is grace, there is power, there is victory in the name of Jesus. And no matter what kind of mess your sin has got you into, there is overcoming power in the blood of Jesus Christ that is able to wash your sins away. Amen. There is power in the name of Jesus to deliver you from every bondage. And there is grace available in time of need when your circumstances have got you painted into a corner there is the grace of God that will enable you to do whatever is necessary to deliver you from that predicament Paul did not remain in that jail for the rest of his life. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now he declared that sitting in that awful place Chained to that guy. He, you know, he didn't know what tomorrow was going to hold, really. But the Lord didn't leave him there. He brought him out. Why? Because he had a work to do and a place to fill 
in the body of Christ, as we all do who are Christians. No matter what you do not be intimidated by your circumstance, but understand that there is victory in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the church is all about. Amen. I didn't come here to be entertained. We got great singers, we got great musicians, we got great Sunday school teachers, we got all this stuff that the Lord has blessed us with. The Lord has blessed us. This church, my, it's a dangerous place to come to church. I mean, I'm glad you're here, but man, it's dangerous because you're going to have to give an account to God. We ain't got nobody to blame. You can blame me. It's Brother Andy. I'll let you do that. I don't mind. It just ain't going to hold no water when the Lord says, well, look, you know, Brother Andy wasn't a dictator of the church. He was just a servant. It's a dangerous place to come to church. Amen. But it's also a great place to come. Praise God. Why? Because we are convinced that there ain't nothing Jesus can't do. Praise God. We are convinced there ain't, boy, that's awful grammar, but it's the truth. We are convinced that there ain't nothing that Jesus can't do. We are convinced that there ain't nothing he can't fix. Amen. That there ain't nothing he can't heal. There ain't nothing he can't help. And there ain't nobody he can't save. Amen. Oh, Brother Andy, I, can, I don't care what your hard case is. You know who's going to hell? People that don't believe in Jesus. You come to him for help. Show me in the scripture where someone came to him for help and he said, sorry, I don't like the way you look. Now, he tested some folks. Boy, that one woman, you know, he said, well, healing's a children's bread. You know, why would I? Even, I mean, she said, even the dogs get the crumbs. What did he do? He answered her prayer. He was just testing her. There was no lack of compassion there. What he was doing, he was drawing her faith out. Amen. So she could make that from the fruit of her lips, she could make that declaration. Like that woman with an issue of blood. Been to all the doctors. Broke. Spent all her money on physicians and wasn't any better. Till somebody told her about Jesus. When he comes walking down the road, she makes the effort. But when she gets to him and touches the hem of his garment, the power of God flows through him. And that lady is healed. Praise God. What about Judas, Brother Andy? You know what Judas, you know where Judas' mistake was? He didn't wait for the resurrection. He betrays the Lord. But take that, just bear with me for a second. Understand his perspective. Judas has seen Jesus raise the dead. Judas was there when Jesus commanded the elements of nature and they obeyed him. Judas was well aware of, of the power that Jesus possessed. And when he took that 30 pieces of silver, it was with an understanding. What are you going to do with a man that can, that can command the elements of nature? And he got messed up when Jesus, instead of calling 10,000 angels to set him free, submitted himself to even the death of the cross. And Judas goes out because he's doubting and hangs himself. What if Judas hadn't hung himself? What if Judas, the Monday after the resurrection, had found Jesus and said, I'm sorry, please forgive me? Well, I'm talking to somebody who the devil's told you you've gone too far, you've done too much, and there is, whoo, glory to God, and there is no help for you. 
I enjoy giving the enemy a black eye. I want to give him one right now. If Judas would have waited till after the resurrection and asked for forgiveness, Jesus would have forgiven him. Now, if he would have forgiven Judas, what is he going to do? You ain't done nothing nowhere close to that. What will he do for you? Praise God. And for Christians this morning, we find ourselves in circumstance, and the enemy uses that to try to create doubt in us as far as the Lord is concerned. Well, if God loved me, I, I wouldn't have experienced all this. God loves you in spite of what you experience. Amen. God loves us in spite of what we've done. Hallelujah. And he pours his grace out upon us continuously because he loves us. He makes his grace acceptable, his unmerited favor acceptable to us, accessible, I should say, to us through faith in him. What are you saying, brother? And if you believe in Jesus, you have access to the unmerited favor of Almighty God. What you did not earn and what we do not deserve, he has made available to us if we'll only believe him. And if you only have as much as a grain of that mustard seed. Who told you to do that, Dan Hughes? Come in here doing all that for I preach. Praise God. Holy Ghost got in this thing somehow, didn't he? <laughs> That's the way I love it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Brother Andy, I'm in a circumstance. What's my way out? Believe in him. Believe in it. Praise God. Look at your circumstance and don't let it affect you. Overcome it through faith in Christ and the grace of Almighty God. No matter what you're facing, no matter where life has put you, no matter what your predicament may be, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me while I'm in jail. It didn't look like he could. I wonder what that, you know, I, I don't, he was dictating this because Paul didn't write them, he signed them. What what that guard thought? You can what? <laughs> Between me and you and this chain, what you going to do, Doc? What did he do? Lord brought him out. I can do all things through Christ in spite of my circumstance who strengthens me. Now that puts an onus on us because we are without excuse. We coming up on revival this week, but Tim, by the grace of God, is going to be here tomorrow night, and we all know what's going to happen Tim Colley gets here. He's going to get on that piano, and can't nobody do me like Jesus. <laughs> I promise you. He's going to sing it because he believes it. And I'm looking forward to a move of God this week. Amen. And I know there are times where, you know, uh, you go, well, uh, we uh, declare success or failure based on criteria that aren't scriptural. I'd like for everybody here this morning to be here tomorrow night. I don't think you're going to be. But I'd love for all of you to be here. But you know what? If only five people are here and God saves one, it's worth it. There are three people here and one gets a baptism in the Holy Ghost, it's worth it. If there's two here and one gets healed, praise God, I hope that's me. <laughs> but then there's only two of us here. Praise God, I said yesterday morning, there was two, one again. And one gets healed, it's worth it. I don't I no longer put success or failure based on numbers. I put success or failure based on the presence of the Lord and what he does in our midst. Amen. Because the Lord is going to be here tomorrow night to bless whoever needs a blessing or help tomorrow night, just like he is right now. Two more scriptures I want to share with you. We're going to pray. We've seen Paul. We've seen John. Luke 22 and 39. 
Coming out, he, Jesus, went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. What was our Lord's circumstance in the Garden of Gethsemane when he wrestled with going to that cross? He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free, but he did not. That was his temptation that he could have. He prayed, Father, if it be your will, take this cup away from me. He knew what was, heading, what was about to take place. He said, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I'm thankful he prayed that because he saved my soul when he did. He set his face toward Calvary, and he went there. Hebrews 12 and 1. Therefore we also, talking about the church, since we are surrounded by so great a, great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance, patience, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross he did not allow his circumstance to defeat him he spit on the shame crucifixion was a shameful death in that society at that time he spat on that how many of us would do that would spit at the shame, would spit at the embarrassment, if you will, would spit at what other people may say about I get so sick, and it's one of my pet peeves, I know. But I get so sick of people absolutely making serious decisions about their lives based on what they think other people may say about them. Oh no, what are they going you know, what are people going to say? You know what the truth is? The truth is people in this culture and, and society today could not care less about what happens to you. They would not pour water on you if you was on fire in a Walmart parking lot. And yet the enemy will say, oh, you better not. Boy, God, I'm talking to somebody. Now. That's why a lot of folks won't come to the altar to receive salvation. Because the enemy says, what will your friends say? What will your friends think? Man, I want to get saved and go to heaven. I don't care what anybody says or thinks. <laughs> you just got, I mean, that's just stone stupidity. What somebody may say, somebody's attitude about, about you're coming to Christ, you know. I'm, Clint Denon said it in, in the School of Christ, shared that with us. He said that at night at that Assemblies of God in Texas, when B.H. Clendenin got right with God, he got saved. He said, I knew walking down the aisle before I ever got in the altar how my life was going to change. I know what was going out the window. On my way down the aisle, headed toward that altar. 
I knew what was going to change. He knew how people were going to, and B.H. Clendenin was very much a man, a hero in World War II in the South Pacific in the Marine Corps. This, this ain't no wimpy, limp-wristed cat. This B.H. Clendenin, it's a man's man. He had evidence. He knew he was saved. I'll share this with you just because I love sharing this. One of my favorite parts of School of Christ, Brother Clendenin said, I had evidence after that night, and I knew I was saved. He went back to work on oil, Derek. Some of y'all know what's coming. And a fellow on oil, Derek, this rough cats, called him a word that was this long. And when he did, Brother Clendenin just proceeded to knock him off that old Derek with a right cross. Ten feet or however far it was. And he sat there, but I knew I was saved. And I go, okay, get out of this one. I can't wait to hear this. Brother Clendenin, how did you know you were saved after you knocked that cat, after he called you up, whatever, and you knocked him off that old Derek? How, how was that evidence of your salvation? And he says, because for the first time in my life, I felt bad about it, and I never did it again. Worried about what people may say, help us, Jesus. Deliver us from the opinions of others. Amen. You say, I tell you what, a, a fella, you know, uh, you can't do nothing now because everything's under a camera and gets on the news. I mean, you know, and they are looking for somebody to put on the news to publicly chastise and embarrass because they messed up. They're looking for somebody to do that. So, I mean, I, I understand that the spotlight is on, but that spotlight is not worth dying and going to hell for. Neither is anybody else's opinion. Amen. For consider him who endured, verse 3, such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed unto blood, striving against sin. Amen. Whatever circumstance you may find yourself this morning, I have good news for you. There's one who loves you. Amen. If you shot the Pope, Jesus still loves you. Well, I need to quit saying that because somebody might shoot that old boy. And I, you know, I know one of them got one of them got shot. I think that's when I started saying it. Because I never thought about it before, you know. But no matter what anus act you may have committed, say you robbed a bank, how about that? That's my favorite. No matter what your sin may be, Jesus loves you. Don't love your sin, but he loves you. You say, Brother Andy, I'm one of his children, but man, I'm in a circumstance. I have good news for you. You personally apply this. You can't learn this, that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You're not a victim. You're not hopeless. You're not helpless. The Bible says through faith in Christ, you are an overcomer. Was Paul an overcomer? Yes. What about the apostle John? Yeah, uh-huh. Who was the greatest overcomer of all? Our Lord Jesus Christ himself, who despised the shame and is now set for the joy that was set before him, is now set down at the right hand of God. Beloved, be encouraged today that no matter what your circumstance may be, grace is available through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And he who promised is faithful, who has not only set it down in, in words, in black and white and red and white, if you will. Not only can he do it, he will do it because he loves you. Stand your feet all over the house. He's through with me.